0: Well, it's been 25 years uh, since almost 100 Kiwis braved very high seas, wild winds, extreme conditions in the French military uh, to protest the French nuclear testing at the Mururoa Atoll in 1995. 25 years. Extraordinary. The yeah. protest stirred up enough international media coverage to force the French into the UN's test ban treaty and, of course, no testing in the Pacific ever since. Dan Salmon was one of those Kiwis who joined a group and set sail aboard the Chimera all those years ago to unknowingly become embedded in New Zealand's history. He's part of a new campaign from Steinlager, reliving the peace flotilla story. It's Actually, that campaign's been directed by Lee all oh, right, okay.
1: who's a who's,
0: who's an incredible director. Fabulous
1: director. Uh, Once Were Warriors.
0: And also uh, the James Bond movie with That's Pierce Brosnan. Right. He directed That's that right. too. He did. Yeah. Anyway, you can check out this whole story on their Facebook page, but it's a pleasure now to be joined by Dan Salmon, a very good afternoon to you, Dan. Good day, Dan. Hey guys, what hey, on Dan. earth made you want to set out on that journey?
2: Uh, I was a film student at the time, and we had to make a documentary as part of our course. And I'd grown up with my father always sailing out when the American nuclear ships came into Auckland Harbour, with us, no nukes posters and stuff. And so it just sort of uh, it occurred to me that trying to jump on one of the boats with a camera would be a good idea.
1: Jeez. Okay, so, so basically, Dan, it was kind of in the blood then,
0: mate, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of in the, it was in the blood for a large percentage of the country at that time. Yeah, totally. when, you,
0: when you hit your first storm, was it still in your blood or did you sort of go, holy smokes, I've bitten off more than I can chew here?
2: No, that, that, that was pretty miserable because we put out from Wellington and because uh, you're sailing into the wind, if you go straight to the Cook Islands, we went south and went across the Southern Ocean. Um, for about a week and then turned left and started sailing into the warmth. We immediately sailed into, I think, what got up to 60-knot winds and 40-foot seas. And oh. um, we were all we were all pretty miserable for a couple of days. i yeah. bet,
1: I'll bet. Now, one of the other things, Dan, I remember at the time, and then going back in time as well, way back in the 70s when we sent a frigate up there at Murarawa, the French were talking a very tough game at the time. Did, did you and the other folk that were leading the protest... Did you have any concerns at all about what might happen when you arrived there as far as the French military were concerned?
2: Yeah, I I think so. And I think that's why the government, they sent up a little uh, naval patrol boat to help supply people with fuel and water, which gave us a little bit of moral support. But, you know, they were being pretty aggressive and flying helicopters down really low to people's sails and flattening boats across the water. Mm, And, um, And I know that there was... Uh, on some of the Greenpeace boats, there was a bit of violence from the French. There was a young Japanese woman who the sort of French commandos had come alongside with their knives strapped to boat hooks and they'd punctured the Zodiacs, and uh, right. one of the women got a, a knife through her ankle.
0: Oh. And you yourself, you were held captive um, for a couple of days, weren't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was sort of We, we launched a, um, a couple of Tahitian guys doing the first indigenous protest there who paddled a walker in. And I thought, God, those guys are, are brave. What can I do? And we sort of asked around and uh, another New Zealander and I, Dan Godley, uh, got hold of a, a pink ride on kayak. And so we paddled that into the atoll with 300 letters from New Zealand primary school kids and a box of scorched almonds and kind of paddled around so <laughs> we found some jondarms to offer them to. And they uh, uh, very quickly called helicopters and jeeps and locked us up and questioned us for a couple
0: of days. Was it was it scary at any time? At any point, did you go? I actually fear for my safety here because it was pretty dramatic.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, when when we were first arrested, I you know I remember the guy shaking as he threw us up against the wall, and um, I'd sort of expected us carrying chocolates would be, you know, not pleased to see us, but not sort of freaked out. And I think yeah, yeah. we freaked them out, and that sort of and that sort of became, oh, I'm on shaky ground here. Mm. But it's a really um, you know I'd been at for a month so your your brains in a slightly different place than if you were just walking down the street and hitting that because mm. you're you're isolated from everything and going I've got this I've got this mission and the mission is stopping the testing and so you get up there and you you're already committed to that so I think right. the decision to then take it further is an easier one
1: yeah mm. and Dan what happened you you mentioned that that uh, you were a film student at the time and you felt and I totally agree you could make a terrific piece of uh, movie history what happened to the film that, that, that you took? Were you able to use it yourself in, in a documentary? Was it used anywhere else? Was it used yeah, on well, news well, broadcasts?
2: We, we did some very short pieces for to Pacifica when we got back and then immediately went into the final stuff for the year of the course. And I kept saying, I'll do something and do something, and the tapes ended up in a box above the wardrobe. And yeah. during uh, our first lockdown, I thought, I'd better find those. So I pulled them out and got them digitised. And then coincidentally, um, Steinlager were doing this, so it all sort of happened at the same time. And it's been, you know, 25 years on. I'm quite keen now to try and cut something together and do some follow-up interviews for the, you know, the people who were up there and the people we sailed up with. Because some pretty cool old footage from yeah. 25 years ago.
0: I was going to say it must have been sort of an extraordinary experience because I would imagine the camaraderie, the togetherness you would have felt at that time right where you were, creating history. It must have been pretty overwhelming at times, was it?
2: Oh, it was, yeah. You know, I mean, there were the scary bits, but it was also quite fun. You know, there were some, some guys who got up there before us put a map of Auckland streets over the marine charts so the French wouldn't know when we were talking on the radio about where we were meeting. So you'd sort of meet up on the corner of <laughs> Franklin Road and Ponsonby Road at, you know, right. sort of midday. And, and so we are sort of having fun with that and... um you'd sort of charge, charge the... They had this 12-mile limit, exclusion zone. You're not allowed mm-hmm. inside. And periodically, boats would sort of, you know, haul up the sails and charge for it, and then the French washers would turn and make a dip for them, and then you'd turn away at the last minute. So there's sort of all these, um, you know, I hesitate to call them games, but we we're having a bit of fun with them up there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: One of the things I wondered was that um, the, what was the reaction immediately after? Because now, you look back at it from 2020, and you say, how insane was it that a country in Europe would come down and basically pollute the Pacific with, uh, you know, a nuclear nuclear, nuclear test. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, can you remember what was it like when, immediately after the protest was over, back in back twenty five years ago,
2: in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really felt like there was a, you know, the country was behind us, and you know, it was it was Jim of that sent the naval boat up to look out for us, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the navy guys were all really cool. So, it, you know, it didn't feel like it was anything politically contentious or anything. It felt right. like we were standing up for the right thing to do, and yeah. New Zealand was behind us.
0: Well, I mean, it's wonderful to be part of that legacy. Do you remember the song by Herb's French Letter?
2: Yeah. Now, actually, when we were, after I was arrested, I was dropped in Tahiti airport, which had been burnt out by the Tahitian protest. And we sort of wandered around like they of the until we found the phone and rang the French uh, the New Zealand ambassador up there. But well, we wound up at the club a couple of days later and it was full of gendarmes and French Foreign Legion guys. So we had a quiet word to the Tahitian um, DJ who put on that record. <laughs> so, we, uh, so we were dancing around the French soldiers, singing along with herbs, just having a quiet
0: chuckle. That would have been a brilliant moment.
1: Dan, just, just, <laughs> just quickly, the last question for me. What, what has happened in, in, in your life since? Are you still involved in filmmaking or, or are you doing other things now?
2: Yeah, yeah. I make, I make mainly documentary. Um, so I was involved in the origin series with Scotty Morrison that was on oh, yep yeah. in this year, which yep, we yep. went back to Tahiti for. Yeah. That's a very different trip this time.
0: Wonderful show. Uh,
2: yeah, things like that.
0: Good cool. on you. Dan, look, if you want to see Dan's story, it's part of this collective and celebrating the Peace Flotilla story directed by Lee Tamahori. That must have been quite an experience. He's a very, very good director, isn't he? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, thanks for sharing some time with us, mate. Great story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dan Salmon, have a look at it. You'll love it.